How can God be both loving and just? It's a fair question. I can't imagine a philosophy class, philosophy religion class that wouldn't wrestle with that question. I can't imagine most Christians not thinking through things that surround that question, like the problem of evil. How can a loving God allow, permit, engage in acts related to His holiness at the same time? How can He redeem all creation, save individuals like you and me, and yet, as we see in His same word, wipe out those who are His enemies? It's a fair question. Can God be both loving and just? By just, I mean the word justice, righteousness. The word righteousness and justice are the same word in the Bible. God's holiness, He's completely holy. He demands by His very character perfection, and yet He is overly gracious, kind, giving to us what we don't deserve. How does God do that? Well, in our psalm for this communion Sunday, Psalm 21, the Lord explains that to us. I hope you have your Bibles. Uh, turn to Psalm 21 with me. Look at the text with me. I want to show you the words in the text uh, as I will read them. What's interesting about Psalm 21 is you've got your 13 verses, but you really have in the middle is verse 7. And verse 7 is the theme of the verse. And you almost have the exact same amount of words, both in the Hebrew and in the English, that's surrounded on both sides. It's actually intended to create this beautiful structure, like an hourglass with this beautiful center, which everything funnels through in both directions. And verse 7 is the theme of the verse. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. There's the theme of Psalm 21. When you hear king, you're thinking of Israel and their kings, but ultimately, in, in God's economy, the king of Israel was to represent the people. So in many ways, this text is speaking about individuals. It's, it's speaking about all Christians. It's speaking about you and me. For we will trust in the Lord. Why? Because through the unfailing love of the Most High, we will not be shaken. There's Psalm 21. Why can you trust in the Lord? What is it about God that allows you not even to shake? Not even, not even to second guess. No hesitancy whatsoever. Well, Psalm 21 wants to give you two traits. In the first six verses, it's that he is absolutely loving. He gives beyond measure. In the last six verses, verses 8 through 13, it's that he is completely just. He will redeem and right every wrong. He will crush every opponent. That is, God is both loving and just. Let's read Psalm 21, you can look at it as I read the words. We want to honor God's word by listening to it specifically. Psalm 21. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. It's a prayer. How great is his joy in the victories you give. 
You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days, forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. What is that saying? It's saying that God displays his love to us through his bountiful blessings. Notice the awareness in verse 1 of God's strength. The king rejoices in your strength. You and I can rest in God's strength. We can have confidence. We can have certainty that he is a good God. We all need to hear that. Some of us now, maybe more than ever, that in the midst of what feels like suffering, struggling, questions of our circumstances that yield uncertainty, we can trust in God. In a way that gives us joy, as verse 1 ends, how great is his joy, the joy of the king, the joy of the Christian, in the victories you give. The peace that passes all understanding, as scripture says elsewhere. Where does that come from? Not just circumstances. It's not circumstances because it passes understanding. It's in the certainty of who God is, the confidence of who God is. How about verse 2? Verse 2 is describing a sense of contentment that meets our desires. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. God gives us everything. Everything we need. And even for the Christian, we know even if it's not yet, it will be. If we're waiting for the second half, so to speak, as, as I've shared about earlier, that in this life we're going to get the first half and the second half. By the second half, all that God has promised, he will give. Verse 3 and verse 5 teaches that we are the beneficiaries of the fruits of his kingdom. You came to greet him, verse 3 says, with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. In scripture, that's describing in symbols that you've been adopted by the father as his child, that you have now become heir to the kingdom of God. You literally have the rights of prince and princess in this grand kingdom of God. Or verse 5, through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. We have received honor. We are those who are blessed. Have you, have you sensed a Christian who's filled with God's Spirit, who just, no matter their circumstances or the realities of their life, they feel the blessing of being a child of God? Even as we prepare to partake in this table, this is something that is, comes at great cost and is a great honor. Verse 4, saying that the king asked you, God, for life, and you gave it to him, length of days. But then it adds this, forever and ever. It's not just talking about a long life 
in human terms, it's talking about an eternal life that has already begun. And finally, verse 6, Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. By the way, that is why every Sunday we are just, we need to sing. We just need to sing. Songs of praise to God and his goodness and his grace because we gather knowing the kind of God that he is. So we can see how verse 7 then says, for the king, it's us, trusts in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. That is us. Well, it's not just his love, but God displays his justice by means of his righteous actions. Look at, let me read for you verses 8 through 13. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. Like, a, like the image, I remember seeing just my kids, or me, myself, probably all of us, right, where you sit by the fire and you just, like you throw in just a little, all the pyros in this room sitting here, right? You love to throw the little piece of paper in the fire. Remember that, keeping my boys back, they would just love to throw everything they could. But you throw a little piece of, 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 of paper in there and it's just, it's gone. There's that image that the psalmist wants to give of anybody that can oppose the holy power of God. The Lord will swallow them up in his mouth, in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. They will cower before you. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. So it's not just that God displays his love through his beautiful blessings. He displays his justice by means of his righteous actions. Like in verse 8, where God's strength dominates and overpowers all evil. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear this. God in his power, in his holiness, will stop all evil. And we might on our human terms... In human ways, want to define who are the good guys and the bad guys. But in a broken, sinful world, even things like death cannot stand against the power of God. Satan himself cowers before a holy God. Verse 9, God provides full victory. And more than that, peace. blazing furnace they're burned up. The Lord will swallow them up in His wrath. All His people know the battle is the Lord's. The Lord has won. And the Lord will win. 
Verses 10 to 12 describe how God makes us the beneficiaries of this victory. You will destroy their descendants, all who have attacked, all of your foes, any who would want to harm us. They, end of verse 11, they cannot succeed. They, they draw back from your fierce power. Who do we fear besides the Lord? And it just leads to worship. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. So this is one and the same God that, verse, that Psalm 21 is talking about. In the first half, he is absolutely loving. He, maybe that, that, that secular image of this grandfatherly figure who just loves to give ridiculous gifts to his children and grandchildren bestowing them out of his generosity because he looks like he couldn't harm a fly. He just wants to love and hug and gift and give. And then you switch the scene down just a few verses. You skip over verse 7. What a force. Who can, who can even approach this God? Nothing can withstand the heat of his holiness. His wrath just eats everything up like a fire. And that is the same God. And please hear this, that is significant, not just for the message of Christianity, but for the gospel message. The very core of the Christian message is the glorious marriage of love and justice in the personal work of Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus became God's enemy so as to receive in himself the punishment that we deserve. God's wrath was going to be poured out on you and me. God's holiness, as verses 8 through 13 describe, was going to consume us. Let's not just think of our enemies as we do in our culture, of just finding the bad guys that we disagree with. We were the enemies. We were opposed to God. We were to face the force of his wrath. We had no hope. Jesus Christ took our place, received in his person the wrath of God. And yet from that same cross, the love of God now abounds to those who put their trust in him. The cross, the symbol that rightly sits in our church, symbol of that Christian faith depicts both the holy justice of God and simultaneously is abounding love. Can God be both loving and just? Yes, he is. And for that reason, verse 7, we can trust in the Lord. Through his unfailing love, the love of the Most High, we will not be shaken. So how does this apply to you and me this morning? One is it just begins to teach us a right view of who God is. We don't need to feel that tension as if we have to choose a God of wrath and justice or a God of love and grace. 
Actually, he is both. And that beautiful marriage of the two is displayed and applied to us through Jesus Christ, who received the wrath due us, then gifted us a life filled with the bountiful blessings of the love of God. You see why we call ourselves Christians? We celebrate the cross and the importance of the gospel, not at all being afraid to talk about sin, but yet fully being able to respond to the reality of grace and gift, because those belong together in the one work of God through Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. And this very table that we celebrate today acknowledges that. We have no right to approach a God of justice. We would be blown away by his might and his power. Yet because of Christ, we have that full permission to come close. That's grace. That's Jesus. That's the gospel. Bow your heads for a moment, would you? Just as we come closer now to prepare for the table. Just reflect on that question, can God be both loving and just? Hear these words from the psalmist and specifically that centerpiece verse. Let me read it again as you sit there and reflect on this. And I read it in, in way of application to you. Lord, for we can trust in you. For through your unfailing love, we will not be shaken. Lord, help us to see that, to feel that, to believe that, and to live that. Now more than ever, and thank you for the gospel truth that this declares, that the psalmist was announcing long before the world or even your people had fully seen how all of this would come to fruition in the life and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like the psalmist, we have to say, be exalted in your strength, Lord. And we will sing and praise your might. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.